Welcome to the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast. My name is Mitch, and I have a few friends that I'm bringing on today. But first off, we are brought to you by Motors and More Jeeps in Brainerd, Minnesota, your source for great used Jeeps. And uh, today I have a couple friends I'm bringing on. One of them is, his name is Kevin, and he has a Chevy Volt. And why is that important? Well, he's going to tell us his experience with his Chevy Volt. He also has some diesel uh, manual transmission Jetta cred. But uh, he tells us his, his experience with his, uh, his Chevy Volt and why the Jeep Wrangler 4xE, as we kind of corrected him, uh, should be something you should be scared of. And it might be some good positive things for a lot of people out there who are looking for a daily commuter that uh, sips the gas and on the weekends they can do some off-roading. And uh, also bring back a buddy, Scott, who I've had on before to talk about his CJ7 that he rebuilt and is in uh, prime condition. All right, I'm here in the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast talking to one of my good friends, Kevin. And a little history on Kevin. I, I know him, Kevin, for about 10 years, I suppose. Yeah, and sure. For a long time. And uh, Kevin has, or had in the past, I don't know if he still does, a diesel Jetta that would get 40-some miles a gallon, stick shift. So there's a little stick shift credit for us. But then uh, he recently got a Chevy Volt. Before that, he was into the Tesla, Tesla 3 market and decided that the Chevy Volt was out, and that was like something he wanted to get into. And the reason I'm bringing that up because the, the Jeep Wrangler 4xE is coming out, and it has some similar things to it, similar qualities that I thought, I think you guys should hear Kevin's reasoning for getting the Volt and kind of some of the experience. So tell us a little about your Chevy Volt experience, Kevin, and, and why you picked it up and your experience with it. Yeah, the you know the Volt coming off of the the Jetta, which I do still own, and you're right, the standard transmission was awesome, and I love it, and it does still get around 45, maybe 50 on the highway. Um, so I was always trying to find something that was efficient like that. When I moved into the Chevy Volt, it was because I was going to go to the Tesla three, and it's like this is just ridiculous to pay this kind of money, and the Volt was a great option for a lot less money. And what I really liked about the Volt, which is very similar to what the uh, 4XE is looking at doing, is it's an all, it has the ability to go all electric. So with my Chevy Volt, I can go strictly on battery power for up to about 65 to 69 miles on a full charge before I ever touch the gas. And so with the driving that I do, typically I don't drive more than 60 miles a day. I bring it home at night, stick it on the charger. A couple hours later, it's fully charged. So, I mean, I go weeks or months without ever burning any gas. If I need to go on a longer trip where I'm going beyond 60 miles, yeah, then it's got this gas generator, which I can, you know, fire that thing up and just keep going as far as I want to go. Um, so I've loved that and having the ability to, extend the range. That's kind of what they call it as a range extender on the Volt. Um, being able to run on gas really is a nice benefit. And looking at the, the, uh, the Jeep, the 4XE, it looks like they've done a, they're planning a very similar thing to that, where you can do all electric, about up to 30 miles, I think, of electric only driving. But then you also have the full gas powertrain. So you get the power of that when you want to do that. So I think there's a lot of similarities in what they're doing moving into the Jeeps with this kind of a, a technology. Yeah, so Jeepers out there will probably tell you it's four by E, FYI. So four by E, yeah, right, right. You better get that right. <laughs> but uh, 
in the end though, if, say a Jeep gets, if we're lucky, 15 miles a gallon. Let's be honest. We're probably not mm -hmm. getting that if you put anything on it. So basically saying, look, if you look at it that way, you're saving two gallons of gas uh, by just using this type of method. So first off, I, there's the one disclaimer that I told Kevin about. I go, you don't have to buy this if you don't want to, <laughs> okay? Right. But you don't have to buy the 4 by E uh, option with the, it uh, looks like their hybrid system already, but this is a plug-in version, I believe. So you don't have to buy it if you don't want it. It's totally fine. But let's look at the positive side of it. You might be able to go a week, the whole entire week of your commuting to work and back home without using a drop of gas. And I think when Kevin first got his, his Volt, he uh, didn't fill it up for five, six months, I want to say. Yeah. Just, yeah. So it was months before he filled it up because it was a short commute to work. He didn't, didn't need that option. So if you have a 30-mile commute to work, you might only need gas on the way home. Or if you have 15-mile, you you're not using gas at all. And Kevin did the deal where he has the fast charger at home, the 220, I believe it is. You put mm -hmm. that all together. So you have that built in. So it charges in two and a half hours real quick, like, or even less. I think these, these uh, systems will get better. But believe it or not, you know, you know, if you, you know, like it or not, Tesla or the whole, I don't know, Kevin, I don't know if you know, Kevin's not an off-roader guy. He mountain bikes with me. That's about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, I don't use any gas on my mountain bikes. <laughs> but uh, he does go 500 miles an hour on a regular basis. He's a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes fast. He's got that down. But in the, in the end, uh, these things have, these Jeeps or off-road vehicles are going to have more electronic built into it down the road. And one thing you touched on, and we had a call, like, real quick we talked. The torque is going to be there uh, for these vehicles, instant torque. And if you like to sneak up on you know, wild game that might be out there, not scare the nature, it's going to be quiet. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's going to be another option too. Is it's going to be a quiet type of machine. I'm excited to see this. Uh, and there's other vehicles that are coming out with this system also. But, uh, but for, so far, you've had the Volt for how many years? About three years now. So it's been yeah, pretty it's reliable for you? Very reliable. I love it. it. It truly, I can only imagine that for people who are driving Jeeps who want to get into this, they're going to have probably as much fun with it as I have with the Bolt. This is, I've had Mustangs in the past. I've had a lot of fun cars. This is the most fun I've had driving just because of the uniqueness of this whole system where I'm actually getting a kick out of driving it electric and trying not to burn gas as much as possible and then only have to use it when I need it. Yeah. And that's that's the option. These these beauty these beauty these plug-in hybrids is you're not really there's nothing you're taking away. I mean mm -hmm. you're not losing much power. I mean the V6, for example, Kevin, you might not know this, but the V6 has 285 horse. The the four-cylinder turbo has 270. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really not a thing. And the torque is pretty. Actually, the torque I think is better for the the hybrid. Uh, the four-cylinder, if I'm right, if I'm wrong, you know, you know, light me up. But it's not too bad. And if you're looking at turbo, if you're anywhere at altitude, a turbo is way better for power at altitude. Uh, I watch a lot of things about these guys in, in uh, Colorado, and they're saying, yeah, if you have a naturally aspirated vehicle, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you have a turbo, you're, you're not going to lose much power at altitude. So these turbo four-cylinders and smaller motors, you know, Ford has done a lot with their turbo V6s and their four-cylinders. They're just the way to go. And now just adding a little torque or the torque with the, these hybrids, it's, uh, we should look at it as a little bit of the future. But like I said, you don't need to buy it if you don't want it. But if you are 
commuting to dropping the kids off of school or commuting to work and it's 15, 20 miles, what have you, you might not have to fill up for a few weeks. And that's, that's a beauty. A beauty. I had a, a client of mine who worked with me for a while and the reason he bought a hybrid is so he didn't have to fill his vehicle up in the wintertime because he just didn't want to fill his car up as many times because he didn't want to be out there standing in the cold. And yeah. uh, for me, you know, I'm, I'm filling my pickup, you know, as whatever, 20-some gallon tank, I don't know how big it is. You're out there for a while. <laughs> so it could be a cool thing. I'm, I'm interested to see more about the 4 bay And the reason I wanted to have Kevin on is to tell that story about how he only filled it up once in five, six months. And uh, obviously when you go off road and you're doing these things, you, you're going to be using the gas a little more often because you're not getting the regen as much or you're not getting the mm-hmm. chance to plug it in. But, uh, well, like, for example, when I was buying a pickup, I really wanted one that could haul a lot of Jeeps. And I'm only going to have one or two trips in my entire time I have this pickup. And I thought, well, should I buy it for the one day every two years or should I buy it for the 365 days that I'm actually driving it? So I said, well, let's pull back. Let's buy a half ton instead of a one ton because I can probably get away with having a smaller trailer and having just one Jeep on there and pull it that way. So same thing, if you're buying a Jeep and you're thinking to yourself, well, I want the V6 because it gets, has this much, a tiny bit more horsepower, or should I get the hybrid, plug-in hybrid, because I save 60 gallons of gas a year or 200 gallons of gas, whatever that number might be for you, uh, that might be worth it. So would you say, Kevin, that's kind of like one of the things you think about? Absolutely. And one of the things that I've, I think was a real game changer for me when I figured out what this Volt really did, as opposed to an all electrical, all electric vehicle was it gives you that peace of mind of, you kind of you, you dip your toe in the water. You can test what it's like to drive an electric vehicle and you save gas and that starts getting addictive. It's like, oh, this is really cool. I don't have to keep putting gas in the car. But when you need it, it's there. And like I say, I mean, you're right. I'm not that not much of an off-roader. Now I know it's a four by E. But the, the, the whole the, the cool thing about it is why not save the gas for when you're out there and when you really need it? And then, then go to town, have your fun. But I think driving around town, if you're at all curious about the whole electric car concept, it's a fun way to get into it and kind of give it a test drive and know that you've got the backup. It's kind of like an insurance policy that I really like is knowing that, okay, I can put some gas in and I can fill it up and drive, you know, several hundred miles if I need to. So that to me was what makes the Volt and, you know, the, the four by E, I think is going to be a really nice vehicle because of that, that you have both options to, uh, you know, to work with. Yeah. The full, full electric, the, the range anxiety of a full electric, right. That's the word. And it's just like having a cell phone and be like, okay, you're at 20% and you're about to get on a flight. To, yeah. And you have to watch a movie or something because you're like, okay, I'm not going to get there. And this is, you know, I'm like bored about halfway through this flight or what have you. Uh, but imagine if, you know, we could just have a chance to ex- extend this. And I do it all the time. Like, for example, when I go on trips, I have the extra battery pack. And so for these cars, the extra battery pack is just, hey, you have a generator right there. You, you right. have it right there. Or the motor that's in there. That's the main motor operation after the first few miles. So, that's one of the reasons I just wanted to say I'm open to it. I like the idea. I wish my vehicles had that. That first 30 miles was already, you know, it was, you know not free, but it was clean and it was there uh, to use and now you have to use the fuel to do that. 
I think they'd be pretty cool to have. So I'm excited for it to come out, and I'm, I'm waiting to hear and see the reaction of people. And I think Jeep is doing a lot of what they, they need to do right now. They have, they have competition all, now, all of a sudden now. I don't know, Kevin, you know if you pay attention or not, but the new Bronco is coming out, and that's going to be a direct mm-hmm. competition with Jeep. And uh, so Jeep did a couple things. They're coming out with this uh, 4xe model, which has probably been around for a while. And it looks like it has with some other vehicles, Pacifica and, and so on. Uh, but also come out with a big V8, too, just to try to com- compete a little bit with uh, the new engines that are coming out of the Ford Bronco. So, cool. Well, I want, like I said, thanks for coming on and telling your story. I was looking for just a few minutes, a few little insight of what it's like to have a range extender, a plug-in hybrid like that you have. And uh, it's interesting to kind of hear that. And I'm interested to see how Jeep Jeep does with it. So, but thanks, Yeah, thanks. well, thanks thanks for having me on. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because quite honestly, I was not aware of the 4xe before you called me. And this has my curiosity up as well when it comes out. I, I definitely would be interested in taking a look at this vehicle and uh, maybe experiencing some off-roading. So that'll Perfect. be, that's my next thing. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> As he's cool. wearing a really cool t-shirt. I don't know if you guys can't know this right, but Kevin and I are on Zoom, and he has a cool <laughs> Everest t-shirt on right now. There you go. Trail guide. So he's an adventurer. So, well, thanks again, Kevin, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Mitch. Thanks a lot. There was a little segment there about something new that's coming out. Now for something old. Like I said, we had the 4xe by Jeep that's a you know, plug-in hybrid, but now we're going to talk to my buddy Scott who has a 1984 CJ7. Hey, gang. Back. Welcome back to the Crossroad Offroad Podcast. I have a returning guest once again. His name is Scott, and he is our CJ rebuilder. He's rebuilt uh, many CJs over the years, and he sent me some pictures of a vehicle he just got done with, and I said, you know what? I got to have you on because this thing is beautiful. So, hey, Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. So uh, tell us a bit about the vehicle, kind of what's the bones of the vehicle? Where did it start and how did you find it? Uh, it started off with a friend of mine sending me a listing of a 84 CJ7. And um, from there, called the guy, went out, looked at it, and turned out to be a lot cleaner than anticipated for being a Jeep that was in Minnesota. So it's a Minnesota so, Jeep, huh? It's actually an Arizona Jeep, but I found it in Minnesota. It's been up here for about five or six years um the original owner had passed away and his son had had obviously inherited from him and really didn't have the passion or the drive for the jeeps like like us so (laughs) and that's how we ended up with it (laughs) so tell us a bit more about the i know you said something about the motor you have a little bit different motor to it so it's not the it's not a hundred percent original nope it's not a hundred percent original um it's been repainted redecaled uh, the motor has been replaced at one point. Um, you can tell it's blue instead of black, and it's got a metal valve cover instead of a plastic one, which is an indication of an earlier model CJ, earlier year it was out of. I believe the, I believe it was like 81 and older, 82 and older. So, so it has the uh, 4.2, 258, inline six. Yep. Uh, with the, looks like the, is it a five-speed? Yeah, it's a five-speed. Yep, T- T5 transmission. Okay, so I did not yeah. know that age of the vehicle had the five speed. I always thought they had four speeds. A lot of them did, uh, but it, you know, demand for overdrive was out there. So <laughs> awesome. So 
So what kind of shape was it in? I'm looking at the pictures you sent me. Yeah. You got, some, got a little bit of rust in the floorboards. Did it have carpet in there when you got it? No, it didn't have any carpet. It just had the rubber floor mats. And um, when we had got it, it actually sat outside of a shop for about a year. And with the water and the rain getting in between the windshield frame and down to the floorboards, it started the early surface rust. Um, spent all those years out in Arizona and all the sand and stuff wore the paint off and it had nice clean floors, but then with moisture sits on them and the floor or the, the floor mats hold the water in between the floorboards and, and the floor mats, it just tends to start to rust. Um, luckily we caught it real early. It was nothing more than a, a light wire wheel, um, some primer and just touched them up from there and they turned out real solid. And I'll, I'll show you pictures of those when we go through the Jeep here too, so. And what, what was the final, what'd you do for the final floor product too? Did you kind of rhino line it or did you kind of leave it metal? You know, when it comes to these old CJs, if they've got floors left and they're original, the best thing to do is just paint them, put them back to the original color. I mean, you can protect them and put rhino lining and stuff on, but to the true collector, it's, it's really frowned upon, mm -hmm. so. Okay. Yeah. So it, did it have that winch on it when you got it? Is that the? Yeah, believe it or not, it was it was on there when I bought it. It's it's uh it's an old setup Arizona Trail Jeep, and it had the patina to prove it. It had you know little bumps and bruises, and you could see where they flexed the uh, the rear end a little too far and curled the fender in a little bit and backed into something to put a little dent in the corner. Um, but you know it's got uh, four ten gears, locking diffs. Um, that's one of the things I. I found out after the fact, um, is due to the fact that it was his son who owned it and never built it. He didn't have much information of what had been done. Um, so it was, it was a real big question mark when I first got it as far as uh, what was there, what was good. And, you know, after going through it, it turned out to be a lot, a lot better than we thought. So. so does it have like Detroit's in it or what kind of lockers does it have? Uh, it's got a true track in the rear. And then in the front, it's got a, kind of rock crawler one it's just a lock and i've never or excuse me it's a spicer one i'm sorry okay. spicer carrier locking carrier it's um, not a high grade locking differential by any means but it's better than nothing so <laughs> so you know let's get back to when you originally got it you said the paint i know i'm looking at the i'm looking at the pictures while we're talking here that kind of helps me yeah ask you questions but it had some sun fade to it and in arizona is you know there's a lot of sun there so but not too bad i mean doesn't look didn't look too bad to start. Did you have to get down pretty deep into that paint job to kind of get that back out? Not at all. Actually, we did repaint the whole exterior of the Jeep, and only because to match up that color was near impossible. Um, you can give them the paint codes, but unfortunately, throughout the years, the, you know the formulas have changed and the the products have gotten better. And to try and match up thirty year paint was it was just next to impossible. So. Uh, we ended up repainting the whole Jeep. The hood had quite a bit of fade, unfortunately, too. It looked like somebody made it climbed up there and took some photos. So it had the uh, the old <laughs> pop can effect. Every time you opened it, it'd pop in and out. And I believe in your last episode, I said I was looking for a hood. And I actually ended up robbing the hood from my scrambler just to keep this project rolling. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. I mean, like I said, you know, they, they're still, hopefully there's still a few hoods left out there. Um, but uh yeah, you know, it, uh, it, was fun to, it was fun to build this one. It was just to uh, put it back to a little more of its original look. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a true, I don't want to say time capsule, capsule, but it was definitely a time capsule for that era of the look. 
So, so I'm so looking at the, the the dash and everything. Did you have to paint the whole dash then too? I did. Um, actually, I replaced I replaced the whole dash panel. Uh, the one that was in there, they cut the cut the hole for the radio, put a CD player, and it did kind of a poor job. They also had mounted a lockable uh, storage box, which is probably a nice thing to have if you're trying to protect your valuables and your items. But uh, for me, it kind of looked tacky, and I was trying to do a nice restoration. So, but as far as that's practicality, the that's the armrest. That? That's the armrest one you're talking about. No, I'm talking about the glove box. That like uh, there's a uh, lock box mm. in the glove box there. Um, okay, I so I had to find a new glove box door or another one that was OE to, to try and match that up because to put that in, I had to get rid of all of that. <laughs> so, so that was, you know, I'm looking so at the radio, radio here. Is that an eight yeah. player? <laughs> the one that's in the, no, it's just like, uh, <laughs> an old Alpine CD player. That's, I mean, it's early nineties. I mean, it's an er, early nineties trail build. Oh, well, the one that's in there now is that a track? Oh, we're talking. We're talking about. I thought we were talking about Prius. So no, the one that's in there now is actually, uh, it's a retro sound uh, radio. So basically, retro tunes that they, they take uh, older radio. They they get the, the older classic look of the radio, but they make it so you can have auxiliary iPod and make it have all the Bluetooth technology and stuff that modern stuff would have today. So. Yeah, it looks like you put some nice speakers in there, some kickers then too. Yeah, I did uh, kicker speakers all around. Uh, I would say, as far as the system goes, bang for the buck, kicker was pretty impressive. Um, you know, I've never, I've never ran them before. I, I usually do like an Infinity or uh, you know something along those lines, but I'm pretty impressed with the kicker speakers. They sound really good in here. Um, and as far as like the radio, the the knobs I came with it, I wasn't too happy with. So there's certain things on here that you wouldn't normally be able to do. But I basically took the heater cable poles from another set of cables that were broken and made them to match the radio dials. So these are the original ones mm -hmm. that, that were on here. The knobs that were on here originally. black knob, pop the emblems, and they were just able to work. So that's the little picky things that I end up, you know, that catch my eye that would actually bother me. So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't match the dash or the other knobs. It just, you know, looks off. So, so you cut out just a tiny bit there, Scott. But so what he did is he took some oh. of the, the old dials and he popped the little stickers off and put them on the, the right button. So it just looked better. I don't know if that came through or not, but it's no big deal. Yeah, every now and again, our, you know, the power of COVID will compel us here, but uh, we have to kind of make do with what we can with uh, signals and uh, sound. But it, yeah, looks, I, it looks wonderful. The, whole, thank the you. whole thing back and forth. I'm just looking at the dash pad uh, that I know cracks on these CJs. Uh, it, all in all, it's it's pretty slick. Any other surprises with the Jeep that you can you can share with us? I think the biggest surprise was trying to get parts for it with the COVID nineteen. Um, used parts was a challenge because you're trying to socially distance. Uh, you're doing with cash and stuff. Um, 
new parts were also just as tough because manufacturers were shut down and you know took three times longer to get things than it normally would so i would say that was that was a surprise and a bit of a challenge to work through with with the COVID 19 and trying to get this accomplished and i think it could have got done a little quicker but but it had you know if that wasn't in play obviously so yeah because i think i when i first met you I, well scott's the guy about my front locker from because he had it spare sitting around i think i came over in november december i can't remember when it was but it was middle of my kids basketball, yeah basketball season. <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> that seems like six years ago <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> but uh yeah, so I seen this Jeep in person a long time ago in your garage when I when I came over. Uh, but the paint job looks great. And one thing I want to say I mentioned before is the decals. And uh, yeah. I put some stickers on my Jeep, and I will say it took me. It, my buddy Wade was teasing me because he was like, "Oh, just slap it on there, be fine." And I'm like, "Well, I want it to get to look decent when I put these letterings on my Jeep. I want it to look good." But you did the for people who don't know, you can you can follow Scott online here, but I'll I'll probably post a couple of pictures on my thing. But he has a renegade package and has a huge renegade, you know, the, the four or five inch renegade on the hood there, and then the big big billboard stripes along the side. Um, you know, Dodge Jeep Chrysler love to do their big stickers back in this era. So how hard was that to get straight? I know you've done it before, but kind of fill me in that process. So I actually cheated that one and kind of spread the wealth. I had a, a friend of mine, um, he's got a friend that owns a vinyl company and he actually put the decals on for me, but I also had him do some other stuff. So when I'd ordered the decals, you can get them in black or white as far as the, the Jeep emblem right here. So, mm -hmm. um, so I ended up having him color match the, uh, the Jeep to the decal. So that was one of the, one of the things I did that it didn't come with. Uh, the other thing I had had Rob do was, uh, I'm going to try and get you back in here, but if you look at the dash, you'll see a pinstripe that goes all the way around it. Oh, yeah, I saw that it's earlier. Tough, very, it's tough to see because of the, the color and stuff kind of clashes a little bit. But um, it's, uh, that was a, a Laredo option. Uh, when, you, when you bought a CJ7 and you got a Laredo package, it came with that pinstripe around the dash. You also got the, uh, the, the clock and then attack as well um but the renegade you could get a clock in the tack but it was a special order only so that was uh you know if you went in 1984 you'd have to actually sit down fill out and say i want the clock and tack otherwise it never came on there but i uh i had rob create that that decal and uh it just really sets the dash off even though it's not a, not a laredo i just think it really adds a lot more flair to the jeep so so did it come with full doors or half doors or so yeah so originally when i bought this jeep it came with a hard top and hard doors um but they were heavily faded the hard top had some cracks and stuff um but i ended up selling that running a off top full software that is actually original equipment jeep uh witco so it's actual oem cj7 factory top and doors for this and hardware okay. which is all, all the snaps that run down the side so that's it's an oem oem top for this jeep which is pretty cool pretty rare so is it new old stock or recreated or? it's nope it's uh it's used um but it's in good shape so driver quality we would call that yeah 
Yeah. I mean, is this and a this driver is, or you think this is a driver side of the Jeep or show quality? Where are you at with this kind of when you're done with it? It's the middle of the road. It's the guy that wants the best of both worlds. Um, is it perfect? Perfect. No. I mean, you'd have to spend 40 grand to get, you know, that kind of quality of restoration. But I would say it's a, it's a nice, clean, fresh driver. It's completely gone through fresh paint decals. Um, you know, it's something that if you do end up putting a scratch in the paint, it's not perfect, perfect to begin with. It was definitely a budget paint job, but, uh, you know, it's, paint is expensive. <laughs> hey, from, thing. If 10 feet, she's a looker. <laughs> right. And you know what? Honestly, when I first got it back, I was like, uh, you know, once you start putting all the parts back on, the fender flares, the lights, the decals, all of that stuff disappears pretty quick. So, um, and what's it run on for tires? Is those 33s, 35s? Yep. So they're uh, they're 33 by 1050, 15. So I like them a little on the narrower side. They fit the wheel wells a little better. I'll try and get you a little better view. You kind of see they fit the wheel well a little better. They don't hang past out the, the fender flares very far. Um, it's just kind of my look. A lot yeah. of people like the wider, the 32 by 1150s is probably the more more common size for CJs or 31 by 1050. But I just think it gives it a great chance. I mean, it's not too tall, not too short. Um, it's the, they just fit the wheel wells you know, very nicely. Uh, it doesn't have a two and a half inch lift with a shackle lift. Um, they did, one of the things they did do is run a longer shackle here in the rear. And that was because before when they'd flex, the uh, Jeep, they would actually leave crease marks where it grabbed the wheel well right here. So, mm -hmm. um, in the front, it's a little shorter, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it yeah. should handle most light off roading. Anything, anything hardcore, obviously, you'd want to go with coils. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, leaf springs are, you know, it, it's it's too. There's not enough of these left to really go, you know, destroy them left on the you know on the trails. But you can still light trail ride and enjoy it. So. Yeah, I know uh, another guy I had on a few times. Um, he has Brad with a CJ7, but he it's a trail only rig, so it's right. It's got no straight panels left, so it's going to be a trailed rig for the rest of its existence. And but this one, you can see it do some light off roading. It's it's definitely a looker too, so it's really right. nice. So so what's where's it go now? Because I, I I know where it's going, but <laughs> tell me kind of story so, of like who picked it up from you. So I've, my cousin had been looking, him and his wife had been looking for a Jeep for quite a while. And I'd actually showed him a picture of this Jeep before I'd restored it and said, well, I've got this one. And if you're interested in a Jeep, it was definitely a lot cheaper back then, but they like nice things. And I, over the winter, just decided that uh, you know, winters get long and I decided to redo this one. Um, in the spring, I said, hey, I, I got this, this one, it turned out a lot nicer than I anticipated it to, and they came over and said, We'll take it. So, plus, blue is his favorite color, so it was pretty easy. So, it was really funny in, in talking to you, Scott. Like, I watch a lot of the Collins Brothers Jeeps. I know I talked to you about this when I was at your house. I watch a lot of uh, Dennis Collins, and their rigs are the ones that are you know 100% perfect. And right. you talk about stuff, it seems like I'm talking to Dennis Collins because, like, you're talking about the shackle here does this and then you know they didn't have this in this year you know a lot about jeeps and i and then of this era especially that's why i like having you on because it's it's beyond me like i know almost <laughs> everything there is to know about the tj but that's as far back as my knowledge will go <laughs> because i own a tj so i sit there and obsess about it 
but what's next for you? I know you have, I know you have something fun coming up. What are you building? So I've got an 85 scrambler on deck. That's going to be the next build. And I'll probably, I'll definitely go overboard with that one. I'd like to do an AMC 401, which is the biggest V8 that AMC made back then. Um, with a six-speed manual transmission, which out of a Rubicon. So we'll see. I don't know. You know, some people will scowl at it. And it's, it's something I don't think has been done. And, you know, the real difference is I want to be able to bang through the gears. So. <laughs> and uh, what year Rubicon transmission are you going to grab? So I got one out of an 05, 06, um, out of a TJLJ. It's the same bolt pattern. should bolt right up to the, uh, to the 401. So. Okay. That's cool. I'm excited to see yeah. what comes out for I'm pretty excited to get that one rolling. I've got e-lockers front and rear. Um, it's got the Dana 44 out of an 86 CJ7, which is one year only and late 86 only. I mean, it's very rare to, to stumble across them. So it'll be, it'll be exciting to get rolling on that one. And that's kind of – I'd like to keep every Jeep I build, but obviously, you know, it takes money to, to keep the ball rolling. So. Yeah. <laughs> Got yeah, cut them loose to, to keep building them more. <laughs> yeah, that one is uh, it's a 1984 CJ7 with the inline six. It's, it's a beaut. So you guys listening right now, I get the Thank option you. of watching. He's walking around the Jeep the whole time, making sure I can see it the whole time. So we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to, to take a peek. I, I like looking I should at show you. So it's, it's real fun for me. One of the cool things about this Jeep too, is this is actually a new old stock, AMC badge for those things. And you can tell because up on the market ones. So and like ah oh, the aftermarket one's fine, but I'm very picky and I think it just adds a lot, you know. So that's so, a new old so it's a little and then yeah. Correct. Yep. Yeah. This is kind of cool too. Normally when you put fuel in, in these, the uh obviously the gasoline kind of erodes all the paint. So I spent about an hour hand painting this back on there and wiping it off and starting over and wiping it off and starting it over until it was perfect. So, um, so what he's, thing he's, I he's explaining to me right now is there's a uh, where it says unleaded fuel only right underneath the gas cap on the CJs. It is on the trim. And so that's what he's talking about right there. He's pointing at it, but that's a really nice job there of getting that right. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know if you can see it or not. There you go. Oh, that looks perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, those are the little things that, you know, I think really bring out the Jeep is those little details that normally people wouldn't touch. They just paint the exterior. They wouldn't normally, they wouldn't normally paint the dash. They'd tape it off here and just paint the exterior. So you see a lot of them that will be painted red on the outside and they'll have a whole white paint scheme on the inside because they just didn't like white. So. Yeah. But well, the difference was taking the time to actually pull the glass out. And that's one thing we did. We, I mean, we pulled the glass out. We completely disassembled as much as possible, took the hood off um, so that everything was kind of painted in pieces and then put back together. Um, we didn't pull the tub off. It would have been quite a bit of work from there. And if I had, I would have probably had a lot more money and time into it. But uh, it's a pretty good restoration for – for what it is it's a budget you know a budget uh, bill for sure so yeah so, well, uh, the secret of it all is starting with an arizona jeep <laughs> that is you know that's probably the the key to any 
any build as far as you know any any old CJ build, I would recommend a clean body and frame over good running drive line. You can fix a drive line pretty easily. Parts are very easy to come by, but trying to find a tub that's rust free without holes in it is is very tough. Um, fenders and obviously I'm struggling to still find a hood. I had to use the one off my scrambler, so they're drying up. They're drying up fast. Um, and stuff that you know you could get for fifteen hundred to two grand is now five grand and it's in we were just talking the other day about the prices and how the the four by four market uh the the vintage four by four s u v market is just incredible and just hot right now like the k five blazers and the broncos are getting a hundred grand for those it's just and even old scramblers and c j s are getting twenty thirty grand for that are original paint that are really nice shape um so it is really uh really explode in the last couple of years so yeah well there's always some guy in montana who has some some something sitting in his garage since 1985 that goes for 85 grand it's that just happened a guy that dennis collins pulled the 80 84 uh what do you call that thing k5 blazer out and fixed it up and did some things with it sold it for 84 grand just today okay. so it, it's That's crazy what, what people will buy but <laughs> It's fine. I mean, for me, I mean, if I'm going to spend 85 grand, it's going to be something a little different, like a house. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I like yeah, to... I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But Scott, you know, once again, you did a great job in this, uh, this, this Jeep. Uh, Thank you. CJs are always, uh, nice to look at. I think the last three episodes had a CJ2A on and an LJ and then now a CJ7. Journey, you want me to show them? I can show you the floors that I did. We talked about those earlier. Okay. Oh, those are a beaut. Here's the floors. They turned out pretty well. They're a little dirty, but I don't know if you can kind of see them. But they are great. Oh. It's easy. To start out with clean stuff, ladies and gentlemen. If you're gonna build a Jeep, <laughs> it's just spend the money up front, get something decent. You're gonna, yeah, it's gonna make your build go way quicker. It's gonna be more enjoyable and so on. It's gonna be worth a lot more when it's done. So you're gonna take a lot of the frustrations of. You know, hunting down parts and cutting out panels and, and trying to find frames, you know, if you can just avoid getting rusty Jeeps. So it's uh, it's well worth the extra couple of grand. It's going to save you probably three or four grand on the body work end of it. Oh, so just time, start with something, time something clean. Money. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, great job, Scott. And thanks awesome. again for being on. It's time for dinner for you. <laughs> you <know that>? Yep. <laughs> thanks for having me. I know it's late dinner. but. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Scott. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Mitch. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast. This is, episode is brought to you by Motors and More Jeeps in Brainerd, Minnesota, your source for great used Jeep Wranglers and Jeep products.